Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, July 23rd, 2015. Crazy things on deck today. Tuning in, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We actually take the time to open up our Bibles. And, you know, do the work of a Berean, you know, check to see if what God's Word says actually is what these people are saying that it's saying. And, well, what we do when we do that is we find that so many of the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, church growth gurus, and folks like that, that what they're saying isn't, well, it doesn't measure up to what God's Word says. In fact, what they're saying is in conflict with what God's Word says. They're teaching false doctrine. They're twisting God's Word. They're not rightly handling it. And as a result of it, they're deceiving people, and in many cases, teaching for shameful gain, the things that they ought not to be teaching. This is what we discover over and again here at Fighting for the Faith. Now, like I said, today's program is we're going to kind of be all over the map, if you would. And uh, the idea behind today's program is you just kind of have to buckle up and uh, see if you can figure out the common theme going on between the different segments. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start with a couple of, uh, well, news stories, if you would, news stories. And uh, one in particular is absolutely just disgusting to me. Uh, it's about a woman who uh, literally received a collection notice from her church. Yeah, we'll uh, get the details from that. Um, and then we uh, have a story of a of a woman who was arrested in a restaurant. And w- what was the reason why she was arrested? Well, her direct revelation didn't actually pan out to actually be from Jesus. And I'll explain that. Well, actually, I'll let the news story explain that to you. Then we're going to switch gears a little bit here. And uh, we're going to ask a question. And here's the question. We'll do a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. And uh, here's the question. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, is Jesus going to ask you, why didn't you translate? And you're thinking, uh, tra- tra- trans- translate? 
what do you mean by translate? You know, like, you know, translate your person and your physical body to different parts of the world, you know, you know, in kind of Star Trek style. I mean, one minute you're, you know, sitting at your office and the next minute you're in, well, Nova Scotia, Canada. You know, why didn't you translate? And you're going, is there a command in the Bible that we need to be translating? And you, by the way, you can't use Google Translate for this. Yeah, Google Translate does not have the ability to transport you using quantum whatever, you know, from this point to that point. Yeah, no, you can't do it that way. So, um, yeah, and the reason I'm asking is because Amanda Wells, who is an up-and-comer in the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, and I think she's completely off her rocker, um, She, we're going to be listening to a part of a message where she regales us with a story and you kind of have to put it that way with a story. She claims this history. It's a personal experience. It happened, you know, 30 years ago. And um, and so she regales us with a story. And then she basically browbeats us and kind of creates the impression that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you know, Jesus is going to want to know why you weren't translating. And I can honestly say I have never in my entire life, at least that I know of, translated anywhere you know i you nope i haven't translated i've pretty much you know where i am is where i is and you know and i haven't been somewhere where i'm not being presently nope nope translating for me although if you're talking about translating you know from like it you know a, a one language into english yeah i do that all the time but that's not the kind of translating we're talking about we're talking about something akin to teleportation you know that kind of stuff so uh, that's what we'll do there. And then we have a Paul DeYoung update. And um not sure how to label him. I think I'm going to uh, – you know, this will be a vision casting leader update. And uh, we'll listen to Paul DeYoung. And then in our numero two – yeah, that was totally awful the way I just said that. Numero two, we're going to be uh listening to Pastor Joel Cave mm-hmm, of Glow Church in Queensland, Australia. And his sermon entitled, Protecting Your Dream. Protecting Your Dream. And uh, why do I feel like when, and you know, pretty much everybody that we're going to be listening to today um, is not going to be rightly handling God's word. I'm, you know, I'm just saying, I, I, I just get that, that weird, queasy feeling. So uh, since we're going to start off with a couple of um, news updates, that requires us to do this. From the ABC News, or Action News, West Tampa Bay, Florida, the headline reads, Church members complain about collection notices. Yeah, wait to hear what they were receiving collection notices for. Here we go. Right now, some members of a Tampa church are telling us they are fed up because their church is sending them collection notices. And as ABC Action News reporter Cameron Polum tells us, they're venting that anger in a very public way on the church's Facebook page. People was very friendly there, you know, and I really enjoyed being there. Candace Peterson says finding the Greater Mount Moriah Primitive Baptist Church was a blessing. The single mother had been looking for a church closer to her new home, and six months in, things were going perfect. That is until this letter arrived at her home late last week. To be a member in good standing and have the right to vote, adults are to contribute the minimum amount of $50 per month. It was from the church saying she was delinquent in her financial support. 
$50 per month. Now, this shocked me because I haven't heard about the $50 per month. So where did you get this from? Then Mount Moriah Day is on there, $150. The letter also says Peterson would be responsible for a church anniversary fee of $250, a total of $1,000 in required donations per year. Peterson says she was told the fees help pay off church debt. What church charged you to, you know, help pay off what they're going through? I'm not there for that. And many see. Yeah, there you go. So there's an original idea. So start with the false doctrine that Christians are under the Mosaic Covenant's command to tithe. You know, I find it fascinating when, um, how shall we put this, Uh, you know, churches that, well, they don't spend a lot of time in the Old Testament to actually teach it correctly, except for narsajit themselves into it, all of a sudden become experts on the law when it comes to the book of Malachi. You You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, so, no, Christians are not under the Old Covenant command to tithe. And this church, this primitive Baptist church in uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, uh, they literally are sending out very official-looking uh, collection letters uh, letting the members who are not, you know, meeting their tithe quotas know that they, that, that they are being assessed a, a huge amount of money, you know, because they, they if they want to vote and be a member of good standing, they have to cough up money yeah this you know this is not this fact this is the opposite of what it means to not give out of compulsion scripture doesn't want new new covenant christians new testament christians to give under compulsion yeah it's to give whatever they've set aside in their heart if you would um we're not under the mosaic law we're not under compulsion to give a particular amount so, yeah, um, the boy, yeah, and that fact that the church didn't write this wrong but went ahead and just towed a hard line and then this got aired on a local news station, yeah, unfortunately, this does more than make that church look bad. It makes Christianity as a whole look bad. seem to be agreeing with Peterson, taking to the church's Facebook page to voice their concerns. A church administrator acknowledged the later came from them. They also told us the pastor was unavailable. We still left several messages and have not heard back. In the meantime, Peterson is searching for a new church. You think? Like you put me like, oh, if you want to be a member of this church, you need to pay this. Or if you want to find God. Yeah, if you want to find God. (laughs) That don't say anything about that in the Bible. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And again, that was our Cameron Pollum reporting. Peterson, meanwhile, says she has no plans to reach out to the church, and the pastor still has not responded to our calls. Yeah, of course not, because, you know, he can't respond without looking like a complete, you know, jerk is is a good way of putting it, because this is not biblical teaching. The reason why this made the news is because this is not standard operating procedure for churches that claim to be proclaiming the biblical gospel of the forgiveness of sins free as a gift yeah we're not under compulsion when it comes to giving all right next uh, story comes to us via wmur channel nine uh, wmur channel nine and uh this well uh they're in manchester by the way not sure what to make of this story but apparently you know this woman received she was at a restaurant and she had received direct revelation from god as to who was going to pay her uh her restaurant tab and uh, apparently her direct revelation just didn't pan out and uh 
So here's how it got covered in the media. A woman was arrested for dining at a restaurant and refusing to pay the $26 bill. But she had a reason and told police it would be taken care of on account of divine intervention. Jesus, take the tab. Hey everyone, I'm Sean Dowling from Buzz 60. According to the Myrtle Beach Police Department, 51-year-old April Lee Yates was asked to leave a seafood buffet she'd been at for four hours when she became disruptive and wouldn't pay her tab. She stayed put. Hey, I don't blame her. For four hours at an all-you-can-eat buffet, I'd have to be wheeled out. Well, Yates was escorted out, all right in a cop car. According to the police report, when questioned by the officer if she had any money, she said no. The officer asked if she knew she had no money when she waltzed in the restaurant, and she said yes. Then the officer asked what she planned to do when the bill came, and she said someone would take care of the bill for her. And who might that person be, asked the officer? Jesus. Well, the Son of God didn't answer her prayer, and Yates was arrested for defrauding a restaurant and booked in jail. Looks like the Lord and Savior couldn't save her this time. Both 60. Not- yeah, now, uh, although there's a little snark in there, uh, the answer is, yeah, actually, Jesus did help her. And uh, because she blasphemed, yeah, she took God's name in vain, claimed that, uh, you know, that Jesus was going to pay her bill when he made no such promise to her. And uh, and then the, uh, the commandment, thou shalt not steal, well, it got enforced not by the church, but by the state, whose job it is to punish evildoers. And so we will hope that uh, this woman uh, learned her lesson and that, uh, and that she will no longer blaspheme Christ's name and uh, she will no longer steal from her neighbor, you know, and all under the pretense of, you know, a religious deli- divine, you know, intervention, revelation kind of thing like that. So those are the kind of stories that, uh, you know, you know, when they hit the news, they make Christians look really bad. And so, you know, by the way, again, just to review, the Bible does not teach that Christians are under the Mosaic tithing commands. We're not. Uh, you would read the book of First Corinthians and you'll see that we are not uh, to give under compulsion, but set aside and give what we have on our heart because God loves a cheerful giver, Scripture says. And yeah, and nowhere in Scripture do we receive direct revelation from God, you know, or to are told to expect direct revelation from God that Jesus will show up to pay our bills when we don't go when we go to a restaurant and we don't have any money to do so. Yeah, failure on on lots of parts here, but uh, again, you know, just kind of indicative of how crazy things are right now in Christianity. All right. Moving along, time for a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update, and that requires us to do this. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there, when I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare, I got a lovely bunch of coconuts, there they are standing in a row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give him a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Roll a bowl a ball, roll a bowl a ball, singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. 
That's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Now, uh, the question that we're going to be, you know, asking as we listen to this segment uh, of Amanda Wells. Yeah, she's like I said, an up and comer in the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. She was uh, recently uh, teaching at Faith Life Church, and um, I think it's in uh, Australia. And talking about heavenly realities, if you would. And she made some very interesting claims. And one of the things that she claims is that she translates. She has translated, and apparently this is an important thing that God is revealing to her that we should, we ought to be doing, and literally creates the impression by her words that, you know, Jesus is going to want to know, if you haven't been translating, you know, well, then, you know, why were you not translating? Yeah, I'll let Amanda Wells explain. Here we go. This year, I'll, I'll give you a testimony before I start, because I, I want to go into something that I have for you today. And I felt the Lord say, I want you to talk about it this year. Uh, you, you felt the Lord telling you he wants you to talk. What did it feel like when God told you he wanted you to talk about this? And, and so I did. Uh-huh. And uh, and there was a reason for it, I believe, anyway, because it, it actually was, we got it confirmed. Uh, 30 years. You got it confirmed. So you got this word from God confirmed. Who exactly confirmed it? Um, it where do you go to get direct revelations confirmed? Who did the confirming? Uh, do you have this confirmation signed by a notary public? would have been when I was in the good old word of faith and we we used to have prayer meetings at 6 a.m. till 7 a.m. why I don't know because you know all we hear is this <laughs> 7 a.m. we'd all wake up and go home and so we'd, we I was there though every single you know every day I was there asleep but I was there and so I used to get a lift because I couldn't drive back then I know I had three children and still couldn't drive and so I I was in this prayer meeting. I was lying down. So let me see if I have this straight. You were at a church. Every morning there would be a morning prayer meeting. You didn't have the ability to drive there because you didn't have a license or a car or something. So you left your three children by themselves so that you can go sleep at this prayer meeting. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that doesn't sound right to me. Does that sound right to you? I mean, how many of you folks, you know, on a regular basis would just, you know, leave your children at home while you went to a prayer meeting at church in the morning? Yeah, I mean, already the facts don't seem to quite line up, but we continue. And I was not asleep, but all of a sudden I was no longer there, and I knew I wasn't. And I was in a place near a cliff, I was um, in a car, a truck, and I was standing, I was sitting next to a man who was in the car and between us was a gun. And I said to him, what are you doing? And he said, I'm going to commit suicide. I led him to the Lord. I don't know, you know, I I remember doing it, led him right to the Lord. And then I got out of the car. So let me see if I have this straight. So you were at this prayer meeting asleep, which is what you would do on a daily basis. Um, while your children were at home by themselves, not being attended to or watched. And while you were in this prayer meeting, you somehow got teleported to some place and you were in a truck and you just popped into this truck and there was this guy, the truck driver, 
and a gun, and he didn't pick it up and shoot you for trespassing. Really? Okay, yeah. This story sounds really plausible, you know what I mean? Uh, threw the gun over the cliff, and I said to him, where am I? He said, Nova Scotia. I said, right. Next minute, I, the next thing I remember is walking through the door of the church, and I'm back. And I said, at the, they all thought I'd gone home. I must have walked home. And I said to the person who was left, where is Nova Scotia? And they said, Scot- um, Scotland. That's about where I thought it was too. They said, uh, up, you know, an island off Canada. I said, oh, right. I thought I'm not going to tell them what happened. I'm flat out not knowing what happened. Well, anyway, just this year. Now, when you did this, what time was it there in Nova Scotia when you popped into this guy's truck with a gun sitting between the two of you? Do you, does this sound like a plausible, real story, or do you think that this woman is telling tall tales? Uh-huh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with the tall tales category, and uh, the theology will actually bear this out, but we continue. Uh, a thing on the, the, on the Elijah list. I put an article on the Elijah list, and I got a letter, and my me- emails went down in the, that day, and then the next day I had emails, must have been 900 of them, you know, delete, 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 all, all crazy ones. And then I saw one with a heading, Nova Scotia, and it sort of took me back. And I grabbed it and I thought, oh, wonder what this is. He said, hello, not sure whether you remember me. My name is Don Wells. Do you remember, I'm from Nova Scotia. 30 years ago, you were in my car and led me to the Lord. I'm like, oh my word. This is what we should be living for. Uh This is what we should be living for. Really? Okay, how do I live for such a thing? And, um, yeah, I'd like to actually interview this guy and uh, get his side of the story. And I'd like to talk to the witnesses, you know, on the other end of this. You know, the people at that church that were asleep. Oh, wait, they were asleep, so they wouldn't have seen you really leave. But you did say that they saw you leave. Okay. That's what the church should be doing. We've become so natural. The church should be doing. We've become so natural. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So, you know, like we can just, you know, stretch out with our supernatural abilities and just start being supernatural. Notice how this is creating some kind of weird command. You know, the command is you need to be doing supernatural things. We need to be living for this kind of stuff. How do you go about doing such a thing? that happen i'm like oh god come on i want more come on uh, anywhere i don't care just send me the lap land i'm ready just let me have the clothes on when i go there you know i don't want to go in my pajamas next time you know uh, god come on we should be living for this and i believe god wants the church what is revival well it is souls being saved but i reckon it's it's this as well where the church gets such a, a where we get a, a sight for so much more than what we've had. And we stop living low and we start living like God said. Okay, so stop living low and start living how God said. So, yeah, you know, God expects you to live high rather than low. So you better start teleporting places, folks. Um, get to it. Um, in fact, you know, any of you who'd like to, you know, meet me, just pop into my office, you know, um, 
you send me an email, let me know when you're going to pop in. But, you know, that way I can expect you. But, I mean, that way you can, you know, fulfill these commands, you know. I, I, there's a really nice, you know, I, it's my man chair, you know. And so you can pop in and sit there and we can chat. Just, just pop, you know, when you have the ability, just, you know, just snap your fingers and start being more supernatural. And, you know, and just, you know, show up. Uh, this is what Jesus wants you to do, apparently. You know, there were only 15 people in the Bible translated. We only hear of one, Philip. Why? Because I don't believe we understand it. Uh-huh. So 15 people translated, but only one you hear of it, and that's Philip. That sentence doesn't make any sense. And, of course, and the reason for this is because we don't understand translating. R- right, yeah. I don't even understand angelic visitations. They should be with us every day. Yeah, they should. So, you know, why don't you have angelic visitations every day? What is, you call yourself a Christian? What are you thinking? They surround us. We should be aware. Let us be aware, fully aware and fully awake. Uh Amen. So anyway, I started to write that book. Okay, let's go this morning. Are you ready? (laughs) After I said that, now you're all, okay, we're waiting for you to translate. Yeah, I'm kind of waiting for you to, you know, pop in and pop out like, you know, <clears throat> they did in the television program Bewitched. I think you get the point. So you'll notice by what she was saying, you know, that there's some kind of, why aren't we do, why aren't we operate, why isn't this normal for us every day? And of course, the question is, where in scripture am I told that angelic visitations need to be like as normal as, you know, as normal gets or that somehow God is expecting me to learn how to, you know, pop in and pop out of places and translate and stuff like that. Yeah. See, Amanda Wells is one of these people who like William Tapley, I think has screws loose up above, you know, in, in, uh, in, in her, in her brain. And as a result of it, she is saying stuff that is just patently absurd and uh, unfortunately, somebody who's stark raving crazy like she is, you know, in the charismatic movement, they think that, oh, she's telling them the truth, when in reality, she's telling them the delusions of her own mind, and it doesn't even sound like her own mind is stable, and the theology bears that out. She's browbeating people for not translating, yet there's no scripture, not even one command in scripture that says, thus saith the Lord, I expect you to translate, and if you're not having angelic visitations, that somehow this is a bad thing. Yeah, she's, she's she's literally preaching and teaching the delusions of her mind. And uh, why would any church invite somebody as strange and not mentally well as she is to be, uh, you know, to teach their people when what she's saying is just absurd nonsense on its face? I think you get the point. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard, on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we've got a Paul DeYoung update. We might even be able to throw in a, a Terry Savelle Foy update. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. 
We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Sir, can I help you? Yes. Do you have a copy of 30 Days in the Desert to Learn Your Purpose and to Cast the Vision to the Ignorant Masses by S. Furtick, QWZ? Uh, well, I don't know the book, sir. Uh, never mind, never mind. How about 101 Ways to Build a Mega Church and Make Big Bucks? I? Well, some American gentleman whose name eludes me at the moment. I believe his last name rhymes with Shin. Uh, no, well, we haven't gotten in stock, sir. <sighs> oh, well, not to worry, not to worry. Can you help me with the screw tape letters? Ah, yes. C.S. Lewis. No. I beg your pardon? No, Harold Wapcat. I think you'll find C.S. Lewis wrote the screw tape letters. Sir. No, no, Lewis wrote the screw tape letters with one C. This is the screw tape letters with two C's by Harold Wapcat. The screw tape letters with two C's. Yes, I should have said that. Yes, well, in that case, we don't have it. Hmm, funny, you've got a lot of books here. Yes, we do, but we don't have the screw tape letters with two C's by Harold Wapcat. Hmm, pity. It's more thorough than Lewis's. More thorough? Yes, I, I wonder if it might be worth looking through all of your screw tape letterses. No, sir, all of our screw tape letterses have one C. Are you sh quite sure? Quite. Mm. Not worth just looking? Definitely not. <sighs> all right, how about The Great Divorce? Yes, well, we have that. That's G-R-A-T-E, Divorce, but also by Harold Wapcat. Yes, well, in that case, we don't have it. We don't have anything by Harold Wapcat. He actually, he's not very popular. Not the problem of pain. That's P-R-O-A-B-L-U-M. No. The Chronicles of Narnia with a K. No. How about Out of the Violent Planet? Definitely not. Sorry to trouble you. Not at all. Good morning. Good morning. Oh! Yes. I, I wonder if you might have a copy of Perilous Landra. No, as I said before, we're right out of Harold Wapcat. No, not Harold Wapcat. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Yes. You mean Paralandra? No, Perilous Landra by C.S. Lewis. That's Lewis with two S's, the well-known feminist lesbian theologian. No, well, we don't have Perilous Lander by C.S. Lewis with two S's, the well-known feminist lesbian theologian, and perhaps to save time, I should add that we don't have Dandy Landra by C.S. Lewis, or the penultimate battle by Clive Staples Chewbacca, or even Out of the Silent but Deadly Planet by B.S. Lewis with four eyes and a silent Q. What a pity, that's my favorite. Why don't you try Zondervan? I, I did, they sent me here. Did they? I, I wonder. Oh, do go on, please. Yes, I, I wonder if you might have the amazing adventures of Pastor Perry Noble and his intrepid spaniel Stig amongst the giant purpose-driven pygmies of Beckles. Volume 8. No, don't have that. Funny. Got a lot of books here. Well, I mustn't keep you standing here, thank you. Oh, well, do you have... No, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. But, 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 Sorry, it's one o'clock. We're closing for lunch. I, I saw it. I saw it. What? What? I, I saw it over there. Religious Bodies of America by F.E. Meyer. Religious Bodies of America by F.E. Mayer. Yes. B-O-D-I-E-S. Yes. M-A-Y-E-R. Yes. Yes, well, we do have that, as a matter of fact. The expurgated version. 
Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. The expurgated The version. expurgated version of Religious Bodies of America by F.E. Mayer? The one without the Lutherans. The, the one without the Lutherans? They've all got the Lutherans. It's a standard religious body. The Lutherans are in all the books. Well, I don't like them. They baptize infants. All right, I'll remove it. Any other religious bodies you don't like? I don't like the Presbyterians. Right, the Presbyterians, right. Presbyterians. There you are. Any others you don't like? Any others? The Methodists. The Methodists, the Methodists, the Methodists, the Methodists. Ah, oh, yeah, they are. There you are. No Lutherans, no Presbyterians, no Methodists. There's your book. I can't buy that. It's torn. <laughs> I wonder if you have... Um... No, go on. Ask me anything. We've got lots of book here. You know, it's a bookshop. How about Osteen brushes his teeth? No, no, we don't have that one. Funny. Uh, the Gospel According to Rob Bell. No, no, no. Try me again. Uh, I know. Uh, Martin Chemnitz is the two natures in Christ. No, no, no. What, what, what? what? Yeah, Martin Chemnitz is the two natures in Christ. Martin Chemnitz is two... Yes! We got it! I see it somewhere! Yes! Ah. I found it! Yeah! Got it! Yes! Here we are! Martin Cabinet's Two Natures in Christ! There's your book! Now buy it! I don't have enough money. I'll take a deposit! I, I don't have any money! I'll take a check! I, I don't have a checkbook! I got a blank one! I, I don't have a bank account! Right! I'll buy it for you! There we are! There's change! There's some money for a taxi on the wait, way home! There's wait! Your wait! 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 What? 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 I can't read! You can't! Read. Right? Sit down. Sit down. Sit, sit. Are you sitting comfortably? Right. Chapter 1. Because the person of the incarnate Christ is made up of two natures, the divine and the human, united into one hypostasis, there follows from this a communion of attributes. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down. Down, click on the ad banner and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com, write down the promo code, click on the ad banner and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms and rental cars today.
Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that tellers of tall tales are not telling you the truth about Christianity or what God desires or wishes or wills for you. But, well, they're conning you, if you would. Now, Fighting for the Faith is uh, listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll find our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $8.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344 Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support because we truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Moving along. Yeah, we're doing a vision casting leader update. This one's from New Zealand. Paul DeYoung of Life Church in New Zealand. I'll count a bit 
That's our casting vision song. And uh, we use that for our uh, vision casting leaders. Now, we're, the leader we're going to be listening to, his name is uh, Paul DeYoung. We've, we've actually reviewed sermons of Paul DeYoung's in the past uh, here at Fighting for the Faith. And we're going to be listening to the opening portion of his sermon entitled Supernatural Dreams. Supernatural Dreams. And uh, the idea behind it is, well, he received a direct revelation, kind of like um, Amanda Wells, apparently, as to what he should be teaching about. And so see if you can find the similarity, if you would, between Amanda Wells, who really, I mean, she seems like she's a taco short of a combo plate, and Paul DeYoung, who has you know way better chops than she does. You know, Amanda Wells is to the prophetic world what, you know, uh, William Tapley is to, uh, well, uh, end times prophecy, if you know what I mean. And so, but the thing is, is that Paul DeYoung has everything in common with Amanda Wells, except for in one area, you know, and that is, is that he has way better chops. But see if you can, you can see the connections. So without any further ado, here's Paul DeYoung and uh, the opening portion of his sermon entitled Supernatural Dreams. Here we go. If you're human this morning, let's believe God's going to drop something into our hearts. Hey, come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this time, for these few moments where we get to look at your word. Help me to be an agent of your voice. Help me to be a channel today because we need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we need to hear from Jesus, and so Paul DeYoung is going to be a channel for Jesus via direct revelation or somebody who's going to preach the word? That's kind of the question because there's two very distinct things that you know we're talking about here. And uh, if he were to preach the word, then Christ speaks to us definitely through the preached written word of God. But he said he wanted to be a channel for Jesus. That's something very different. We continue. You know, early in the week, I was just thinking about what I should share today because we're not in the middle of a series. And I love series, but sometimes you feel like you're locked in. And uh, to be honest, we had on Wednesday night another incredible prayer meeting here at Central where we were packed in the middle of the school holidays on a cold night, people just seeking and praying and just touching God in, a, in an incredible way. And over the last few weeks, I've been saying to people, listen, if you've got a prophetic picture or a word, send it in. And if you have a prophetic word or picture, what's a prophetic picture? And I've got to say, I've got hundreds of them that have come in and have so blessed my heart just to be reading through them. And I found myself again earlier this week saying, God, what is it that you want to say to me? And this is what I felt God say. Uh, There you go. Wow. So you were telling God, what do you want to say to me? And then I felt God say, felt. What did it feel like when God said this to you? When you, you know, when you felt it, did you feel? feel an audible voice was it just some like direct download to where you know a thought just popped? what did it feel like but listen to what apparently got got he felt god say to him listen to this dream big uh-huh so that's the message dream big god he felt god say dream big R- really why would god tell you this to tell us if god wanted us to dream big wouldn't that be you know part of the written word of God in God's Old Old Testament and New Testament? Couldn't we find it there? 
what's with this new revelation that we need to dream big? Now, so apparently you need to be translating. And by that, you need to be popping in and popping out of, of different places spatially across the globe. You know, you know, pop into Nova Scotia. You know, if you'd like, you know, that, that translating thing would be very helpful. Might cut down on airfare. I mean, might put cheapo air out of business if Christians just started popping in and popping out of places. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, so, and you need to be, you know, having daily, regular angelic visits, and you need to uh, now you need to dream big. All of this via direct revelation, right? And I haven't been able to offload that. So this morning, I want to share about living a God-sized dream. You know- living a God-sized dream. So if I'm not living a God-sized dream, how big is a God-sized dream, by the way? I'm a little curious about that. How big exactly is God-sized? I mean, when I go to Starbucks, I mean, I understand what a regular coffee is. I get what a, you know, what a grande is and a venti, but uh, I don't, how large is God-sized? How many ounces would that hold at Starbucks? Um, What does it mean to have a God-sized dream? And what... Is Jesus going to judge people and send them to hell if they didn't live God-sized dreams? I mean, how important is this? I mean, am I sinning if I'm not living a God-sized dream? Maybe if I'm living a medium-sized God-sized dream. Is that enough? Um, Or do you only go to heaven if you live a a large God-sized? And what are the sizes? You know, God-sized is it small, medium, large? I mean, what are the substrata of God-sized? You know, I'm I'm a little confused by this measurement. You know, we we even if we don't realize it, we are carriers. If you're a Christian, you are a carrier of a supernatural dream. And where does the Bible say that exactly? God is not looking for us just to, again, follow the footprints of someone else, but to be inspired with a capacity to understand that we are called to dream big. And so we need to be inspired with the capacity that we are called to dream big. Yeah, it's a convoluted sentence, and I'm not even sure what it means. Yes, it had a noun. Yeah, there was a verb in there. But what exactly does that mean I mean, how do I obey this? And you're making it sound like a command because, well, you know, you got this via direct revelation. And since you got it via direct revelation, that can mean only one thing, that this is the will of God. And, you know, if you're not living a God-sized dream, you are outside of the expressed will of God as revealed to the prophet Paul DeYoung. Uh-huh. I've shared quite often, you go through seasons in life and, you know, you can be in the middle of a winter or a very dark season and it's kind of like, God, why am I here? But what I've discovered and what is a key in my life is when I'm in the winter, keep reminding yourself that summer's coming. My dad always used to tell me when the shortest day of the year was, but I really didn't know much about that. But I was always happy after the shortest day of the year. A couple of weeks ago, I looked it up, and 21st of June is the shortest day. Unless you're in the northern hemisphere like I am, and then that's our longest day of the year. So even if you came a little cold and depressed this morning, summer's on its way. You know, and that's really the nature of a God-centered dream. It's about the ability... So the nature of a God-centered dream is that summer's on the way. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what that means. To really focus in to what's in front. Not allow the enemy to capture you by what has or hasn't been. Or even to be distracted by what's going around you today, but to have a forward focus. Because that's what dreams are made of. Jeremiah 29, some of us have heard it so often that we don't really take it to heart. But verse 11, this is what God says in the Amplified Bible. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. Yeah, Jeremiah 29, 11, again, out of context. Anytime you hear somebody quoting this passage this way, you know with certainty you are dealing with a Bible twister. And, you know, I, I point it out often, and I don't always read it when it comes up, but it comes up so often, I mean, I feel like I'd be a broken record if I uh, were to actually read it every time. But let's go ahead and take a look at it, you know, and here's how we know that this is not some general promise to the wider body of Christ, if you would, because you have to pay attention to who the you is. Is the you like y'all Christians, y'all believers, or is the you a specific uh, person or a specific group of people? This is an important thing when you use context, context, context. And so Jeremiah 29 verse 1 sets the context. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. So Jeremiah 29 contains a letter written basically dictated to the prophet Jeremiah from God himself. God himself was speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. I know this with certainty, but I don't know if uh, God was actually speaking to the prophet Paul DeYoung telling us, you know, we need to dream big. But And the reason I say that is because then he backs this up with Jeremiah 29, 11 out of context. So when we get to Jeremiah, you know, the, the letter itself, with uh, it starts at verse Eight, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreamers that they the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So I find it fascinating that somebody like Paul DeYoung here talking and saying, I received a direct revelation from God that says we need to dream big. And uh, and then you think about somebody like Amanda Wells, you know, who's just on and on about her so-called dreams, visions, and translations and things like that. And, uh, Jer- and so Paul DeYoung quotes Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, but he doesn't quote Jeremiah 29, uh, 8 and 9, which says, don't listen to these so-called prophets and people who are deceiving you, telling you to listen to their dreams because God did not send them. That's what it says. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, notice there's a time frame here. I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Which place? Jerusalem, because they're in exile in Babylon. For I know the plans I have for you. The you there are the exiles in Babylon, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. 
You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Because you said the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David and concerning all the people who dwell in the city, your kinsmen who did not go out. Uh, with you into exile, thus says the Lord of hosts, I behold, I am sending on them sword and famine and pestilence, and I will make them like vile figs that are so rotten they cannot be eaten. He's, this is what God says he's going to do to the false prophets who have arisen and basically, you know, not been sent by God, but showed up on their own uh, authority, if you would. So, yeah, Jeremiah 29, 11, not some prophet that God, oh, you know, the prophecy for us, like, oh, God knows the plans that he has for us. Uh Uh-huh. We continue. It's kind of like, God, I know. I woke up this morning, says God, knowing the thoughts and the plans I have for you. Did you wake up this morning with that? Come on. Are you leaning forward today or has the stuff of life captured your heart? These thoughts and plans are for welfare and peace. They are not for evil to give you a hope in your final outcome. So even if you've lost it along the way, don't forget, it's not over yet. I know the intentions I have, the plans, the purposes. The word have is a very interesting word in the original. It literally means I calculate, I invent, I imagine what's in front of you. Like a dad looking at their... Yeah, the you there is not us, though. The you there are the exiles in Babylon children or a mum at the little child or grandchildren, grandparents, which we are now, and you look over your kids and you don't just see the beauty of who they are, but you imagine what they can be. You imagine with that creative tone in the way they address that, that maybe they've got creativity in them and we want to speak into that creativity. Come on, that's God for you. In fact, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is a bedrock couple of verses for my life. Where the writer of Hebrews says this, he says, you know, you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And I often think, what does that mean to me? It's like the angels have heard God speak about me. Did you know that? Maybe you've got all kinds of voices going on in your today, but even the angelic hosts have heard the imaginations of God about you. You don't even see it, but you're surrounded with witnesses. Wow. So therefore, lay aside the weights. Come on, lay aside that negative stuff. Lay aside what the enemy is trying to label you with. Lay aside what your past has been. Lay aside with the challenge of today. Come on, you've got to run without weights. And if you've got sin, bring it to Calvary and be free from that. All right. So you kind of get the idea of what he's doing here. You know, he starts off with, well, a direct revelation. God has told me we're still trying to figure out what all this is going to, you know, is way and mean, if you would. And, of course, then he goes to Jeremiah 29, 11, and clearly is attempting to, well, exegete the verse, singular, out of context, you know, ignoring the entire context and trying to make it about you. And so what's he doing? He's filling these people's heads with false doctrine and with false teaching. The question I have is, is if God's speaking directly to you and you've felt him say, dream big, 
Why didn't you feel God say, stop twisting my words and preach the truth? So you can tell by the theology that comes with the so-called direct revelation that what the person is saying is really not from God at all. The, the doctrine and the theology are always going to tell you whether or not the person who is speaking is really receiving direct revelation from God or if they are not. You get what I'm saying? And if they're going to turn around and twist God's word, like Paul DeYoung did, or they're going to turn around and make it say, you know, basically burden you and make you feel guilty because, well... You know, you've you're not operating in you know the supernatural, and you you're not translating and having angelic visions and things like that. Yeah, that's false doctrine. That's false theology that proves that the person making the claim to having received direct revelation is in fact not receiving it at all. Moving along. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl. Yeah, that means it's time for a Terry Savelle Foy update. Yeah, that's right. I'm a Barbie girl. That's our Terry Savelle Foy update music. And uh, what we're going to be listening to from Terry Savelle Foy, uh, who thinks she's doing Christian ministry, you know, via so-called life coaching. And what we're going to be listening to Terry Savelle Foy talking to us today about is the importance of having, you know, a growth plan so that you can achieve your, you know, your dreams. Because, you know, it's all about, you know, God-sized dreams and things like that. Here's Terry Savelle Foy to explain. You know, this month on the podcast, I'm talking about basically your routine. The question I want to ask you today is what are you doing to prepare for your dreams? Let me rephrase that. Uh, to prepare for my dreams. You know, I go to bed and if I dream, I dream. What are you talking about? What are you doing every day to prepare for your dreams? Every day. So um, what, what is my dream supposed to be again? You know, successful people have successful habits. Right. I read in Entrepreneur Magazine one time that it was an article comparing the wealthy versus the poor, and it was talking about rich habits versus poor habits. So if only those people who are poor would use rich habits, then they wouldn't be poor anymore? And they said 84% of the wealthiest people believe that good habits create opportunity. 84% of the wealthy, 4% of the poor believe that. Well, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? You're uh, <laughs> sure. What does it exactly speak, though? What do the volumes say? Habits are either leading you closer to your dreams or further from them. You know, I read one time where Larry Bird would get up every morning and practice 500 free throw shots every day, even before going to school. Well... The story I read said that he wasn't, you know, the most athletically talented basketball player. However, his habit of shooting 500 free throws every single morning caused him to become one of the greatest free throw shooters in the entire NBA. And, of course, he led the Boston Celtics to championships. 
Yeah. How many Larry Birds are there out there? And am I sinning if I'm not as successful as Larry Bird in whatever my endeavor is? Well, that's just a result of something that led him closer to his dreams. Well, the habits that I really want to stress are habits of growing yourself. You know, Success Magazine did articles on... Success Magazine. Why is this ministry for her to kind of take tidbits from Success Magazine? Research on the, the most successful people in the world, and they found that all of them had two things in common. Number one, they have goals, and number two, they have a plan for continual growth. They have a... Yeah, well, I, I have goals. I mean, my, you know, like one of my goals is to see in my lifetime people like Terry Savelle Foy repudiated by the body of Christ and no longer listened to to the point where they have to go and get a job at McDonald's and things like that. You know, I, I, my goal is for that to happen to Terry Savelle Foy, for Joel Osteen to, you know, flip burgers at, at uh, Jack in the Box, uh, Kenneth Copeland, Chick-fil-A, you know. Uh, and so, you know, for all of these guys, to, for their ministry dollars to just dry up because anybody who calls himself a Christian would never listen to them or support their ministry. So, okay, so I've got the goal. So I have to come up now with a plan for continual growth to achieve this dream. Okay, got it. Personal development plan. Well, that's something that we all have to incorporate in our lives if we want to go to the next level. If you're fine to stay where you are, you don't need a growth plan. But I believe you, would be, you wouldn't be watching a podcast like this if you didn't have a plan or a desire to want to go to the next level. You don't know exactly why I watch your podcast, do you? You know, a friend of mine who pastors a church in Mississippi, he tells a story about how, you know, when he first started pastoring at 19 years old, he said he didn't, he didn't have a growth plan. He just, you know, thought he knew enough to get by. And as he began pastoring the church, he said he lost more than half the people. And then Yeah, that probably has something to do with the fact that he was 19. Yeah, nobody should be a pastor of a church at 19. He realized, I've got to change something or I'm going to lose the whole church. And he said he got rid of every distraction around him. He got the TVs out of the house. And he said he set a goal for himself to read one book a week. That's 52 books in a year. Then he said, I'm going to listen to a CD, like two of them a week, and just listen to it over and over and over until it gets on the inside of me. Well, he was 19 years old when he started those habits. Ten years later, at 29 years old, he's pastoring more than 3,000 people, and he paid off his church building $11.5 million. <laughs> yeah, that that's great and all. Can you tell me anything about his doctrine? Is it anything like yours? Because then whatever books he's reading are not really helping him. Yeah, see, what is this obsession with, uh, you know, dreams and success and stuff like that? As if somehow, you know... You're not pleasing God unless it, of course, you know, you're translating. You know, that means you poof, popping in and out of places. Um, unless you're having an angelic visitation, unless you're dreaming big, and unless you, you know, have a personal growth plan and stuff like that. So, you know, it just makes me wonder. I mean, when I was growing up in, you know, in the Christian church, you know, we would hear about things that, you know, that Jesus would talk to you about on the Day of Judgment, and they were generally grounded in God's Word and His moral law. Um, and I didn't even realize that I was going to be judged by my ability to translate angelic visions and, and, you know, uh, visitations and dreaming big and having a personal growth plan. 
I, I had no idea that you know that you know God was basically up there going, yeah, I know they're not. None of this is in the scriptures, but yeah, you're expected to uh, to figure this out, and uh, I'm going to hold you accountable. You know, hold you accountable so that you can, uh, you know, you need to get with the program and uh, make sure that you've you're you know you're translating and operating in the supernatural, and you're going to be judged, of course, if you don't. Yeah, I had no idea. It's weird, you know, all of the stuff that's not in the Bible and not even a focus of anything to do with what Scripture teaches, and all these people out there doing ministry, talking about these things and not really actually teaching me what God's Word says. Kind of weird, don't you think? All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break, when we come back, we're going to head to Glow Church. Yeah, Glow Church, and uh, listen to a sermon called Protecting Your Dream, which is apparently something we really need to be doing. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. The internet and the countless technologies around us, such as smartphones, tablets, PCs, cameras, video games have become quintessential parts of our daily lives. In fact, our broadcast might be streaming on your phone right now. Communication and access to information has advanced faster than our ability to manage it responsibly. Texting and email are but two small examples of how technology has provided the means necessary to communicate over long distances, while at the same time giving people the ability to hide behind shadowy anonymity. By its very nature, technology is a double-edged sword. It provides the immediacy we desire and need, yet it also provides gateways for isolation from proper supervision. As adults, we can govern our own actions and submit to others for accountability. Or not. But how good are we at modeling or overseeing technology in the hands of children? Do our children have more knowledge about technology than we do? Do we choose to trust our children with such powerful tools without any oversight? Many people nowadays are aware of the dangers of the internet, such as cyberbullying, sexting, predators, stalking, trolling, video game addiction, pornography, etc., etc. But simple awareness is rarely met with measures of protection, appropriate oversight, or engaging communication. Typically, parents are trusting and simply managing from crisis to crisis because they don't know where to start or what to do in the first place. The Parentum was created as a centralized destination to provide parents information on the available security tools for all internet-connected devices. We provide educational instructions on how to protect families from technological immersion and information on a host of potential life-altering risks born from the dangerous elements of the internet. The Parent Dome's mission is to empower parents to be actively aware and engaged stewards of technology for their children. 
Technology advances daily, and those seeking to exploit it with the intent to cause harm maintains that same pace. At the Parent Dome, we continually update our website in order to properly address the changing needs of parents and families to better defend them against predatory exploits. Please visit us at www.parentdome.com for further information. Thank you. This is a church we've never reviewed a sermon before from. Good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Glow Church in uh, Queensland, Australia. The uh, pastor is Joel Cave. The name of the sermon we're going to be listening to is Protecting Your Dream. Yeah, because, you know, you are supposed to have a dream and you got to protect it. You know, and we heard from Paul DeYoung, we need to dream big. And are you translating? And, you know, and by that, I don't mean reading other languages and pulling it into the language you speak, but, you know, popping in here and there and stuff like that. I think you kind of get the point. So let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here is uh, Joel Cave and his sermon entitled Protecting your dream. Here we go. Hi, and welcome to the Glow Church Podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us today and listening to this week's message. Today, we are hearing from Senior Pastor Joel Cave. Welcome to Episode 6, Hashtag Glowcast. Good morning, church. How are we doing? Well, welcome to church this morning. Seen a bunch of fresh faces I've never seen before. It's glad to have you here this morning. Genesis 37. Here we go. This is about Joseph. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17. Have we got any 17-year-olds here this morning? We've got a few. Yep, good to hear. Was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilar and the sons of Zilphar, the father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report to them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. That's a bad statement to start with. I mean, I love Judah more than my other kids, but that's just, you don't say that publicly. Because he had born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe, robe for him. My mum and dad always say I'm their favorite, so that, I understand how that works. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a word, a kind word to him. So here we're going to focus on this part here. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. 
He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose. Now notice Genesis 37 says Joseph had a dream. It doesn't say you are going to get a dream from God. It's from God. It says Joseph had a dream. There are a few people in Scripture that have had dreams, but nowhere are we told that. And therefore, that means just like Joseph had a dream, you're going to have dreams just like that too. Hmm, already we've got a problem here because he's not really exegeting the text. And stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. At this point, you can imagine his brothers are real big fans of Joseph. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. Last year was the year to dream here at Glow Church. It was the banner over this year. This year is the year to build. And I think in building, you need to actually have a dream. They kind of layer on each other. Yeah, now you're just departing from the text. In building, you need to have a dream. Huh, weird. Um, Why aren't you teaching this text correctly? This text doesn't teach you anything about our need to have dreams. And I know for so many people, you know, you only started coming along with this church in the last few months or the last year. We've seen some pretty exciting growth in the church. And so last year, we spent a year dreaming. We, in many ways, dreamed about you coming to our church. You spent a whole year dreaming. Uh, Really? Wow, that's impressive, I think. We dreamt about leaders finding a home. We we dreamt about people who were so far from Jesus finding a father who loved them. And so many of you are part of the dream that we were believing for last year. And dreaming is such a powerful thing because dreaming, when you think about it, it just evokes so much emotion. It, It evokes this sense of what could God do? What's God stirring up in my heart? What has God got for my future? Last year, we saw all kinds of dreams. We had a wall outside. The, it was the year to dream wall. People put their dreams up in the wall. And literally, we saw hundreds of people that said, I had a dream that came to pass in 2014. There was new careers that got started. There were new relationships. There were couples who met one another. There were people. Yeah, I mean, that's all great and everything. But what does this have to do with uh, Genesis 37? Joseph, answer, it has nothing to do with Genesis at all. People who had babies that were told they couldn't have babies. There's restoration of marriages. There were people who started business. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And it's quite something. But I want to ask you this morning, how are you going with your dreams right now? I wonder how you're doing. Yeah, man. Pack your bags. You're going on a dream guilt trip. I mean, how are you doing with your dreams? You better be busy doing something about your dreams. Maybe you should watch Terry Savelle Foy's video blog. I mean, because she's all about, you know, giving you, you know, plans and steps and habits that you can apply so that you can achieve your dreams and, and live your destiny and stuff like that. See, this is a, this is law, folks. It's not biblical law, but it's law because it, here are imperatives. You need to be doing Yeah, we just read Joseph had a dream, so mm-hmm, how are your dreams going? Yeah, you know, you feeling guilty if your dreams are not going well? Hmm. Oh, you better do something about it then. You better get a plan, you know? Yeah, this is bad law. Are you dreaming or have you stopped dreaming? 
I, I, you know, I have no control over when I dream. Sometimes I dream, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I dream in black and white. Occasionally I dream in color, you know. So, yeah, you know, because you'll notice that when Joseph had a dream, he wasn't daydreaming. It was actually a dream that, uh, you know, came upon him while he was sleeping at night. So, yeah, you know, I dream. But, you know, you know what I do with my dreams? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because God ain't talking to me in those things. God talks to me through his written word. Have you believed that God has got a greater future for you right now? Or- um, yeah, I do believe that God has a greater future for me. It's called the new heavens and new earth. I, and, and I'm going to be resurrected. And, and there's not going to be any sickness or disease or death. Or Yeah, I do believe God has a better future for me. Absolutely. Are you allowing your current situation to dictate how you see things? Uh, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Do you know what that means? I don't know what that means. See, we serve a God who's always got more. We serve a God who I believe is always looking for the increase and the expansion, and he's opening up possibilities for your future. It's whether we choose to allow the more to happen. It's whether we choose to believe that it's possible. So I need to choose to make the more to happen. Right, yeah. Because if I don't choose to make the more to happen, the more won't happen. And then you'll miss out, you know, and you don't want to miss out because, you know, you got to get busy, you know, with your dream thingy, you know, get to it and start to take those steps. I wonder this morning, how are you going with your dreams? Ask yourself that question. It's a good one. You know, it's a miserable question. It's not even a biblical question. Genesis 37 doesn't prompt any of any pastor who knows how to rightly handle God's word to even ask such a question of the people whom he's supposed to be serving by rightly handling and preaching God's word. By the way, the story of Joseph, typologically, one of the clearest uh, typological stories that points to Jesus. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing how Joseph, his story does that. Have you stopped dreaming? Are you dreaming more than ever? I pray that if you're in this church, you would know that this church is one that is a, a dream stimulator. It's one that starts to, to kind of get uh, well, people... Well, so your, your church is a dream stimulator. And where in Scripture are churches told to be dream stimulators? What does that even mean? Get people thinking and churns out fa- a factory full of dreamers that say, we want to believe that God can do things. Uh, I started reading this week Pastor Brian's new book, Live, Love, Lead, and it's an exceptional book. I would encourage you. You can get it actually from any bookstore in Australia. I love it that obviously they cop a lot of rubbish in the media, but we all know anyone who's close to them knows just how incredible their heart is. And I want to I read this to you. This is something I read last night, actually, so I've written it down. So I want to. this is from the back end of the book. It says, when you do presently see, so what do you per- presently see when you close your eyes? What vi- the back of my eyelids. That, generally, that's what I see. Vision or dream has God planted in your heart for you to nurture and to cultivate? Um, where in Scripture am I told that God is going to plant a vision or dream in my heart in order to cultivate it? He's quoting from Brian Houston's new book, Live, Love, Lead, you know. What vision sustains you when you're hurting and afraid? You're shocked and stunned by life's events. How about the, uh, rather than a vision, how about the revelation in the written word of God of Christ's ultimate victory and, uh, you know, the resurrection of the dead, his coming again to judge the living and the dead, and our spending eternity with him in a new earth. Have you read the back of Revelation? It's amazing. The new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven. Yeah, wow, yeah. That, I mean, that's the, the, it's not a dream that I've had, you know, but it's a revelation found in the written word of God that does actually give me hope and sustains me.
We see when you've got something to hope for, when there's a dream out there on the horizon, you can keep going through anything. You can start believing that God's got more, even though right now it might not look like it. How are you going this morning with your dreams? I was reminded this week, it was this time last year, exactly at Hillsong Conference, when God put a dream in my heart to start Kickstart Conference. So God put this in your heart, really. Yeah, I just noticed we, we, Amanda Wells claims that God told her to, you know, tell us about, you know, what does she call it? Translating, yeah. And, 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 well, Paul DeYoung claimed that God spoke to his heart and told him to dream, you know, told everybody to dream big. And why should I believe God put this on? What did it sound like when God spoke to you? Was it a audible voice, just a, a you know, a heart palpitation? You know, did it feel like having low blood sugar? What, did, what exactly did you, experience when God told you to do these things. A lot of people told me you're crazy to start a conference at the beginning of a year because everyone's on holidays, but they don't know the Gold Coast. And I just think there's actually something, you know, I had a lot of pastors since, that's a really smart idea, starting a conference at the start of the year. You know, and I'm excited that we haven't released the details for next year, but I'm ready for this to go to a whole other level. Uh, I can't reveal who's coming to speak yet, but when I can officially announce it, we're going to be very happy. But there's something about it. So I think if we can start the year always saying, God, I'm ready to hear your voice. I want to, I want to dream more than ever. I want to believe for good things. And who is it kickstart this year? And if you're, who's excited for kickstart next year? You get ready. It's going to be good. We're going to kick it to a next level. But what about if you've got a dream that you, you're scared to share with someone? What if something so deep is inside of you, you think it's crazy you could ever even communicate it? Something this week that Pastor Brian said when he was preaching, and I love that he says that, Often we use our words for communication, but God used them for creation. We can create things with our confession. We can actually speak things into being. What? So Brian Houston says that we can, we can create things with our confession and we can speak things in, you know, through, really into existence through our, through our words, really. That, folks, is called the word of faith heresy. And there's something about it when you understand that we can, you know, you right now, you might be in a situation where your business is going bad. Well, are you confessing that as well? Oh, the business is going bad. We're going backwards. Or you say, I see that we're going to start moving forward. I see we're going to have new employees. I see that we're going to have an innovative product. You say, you say, you say. So apparently the word of faith heresy, like I've said in the past, the primary assumption is that you are God. You are the one who... Like God can speak things into existence with your words. And I found it interesting here that uh, Joel Cave said that he learned this from Brian Houston. Right now I'm at university and I keep on failing. I I can see that I'm going to actually start to succeed and I'm going to not only get a credit, I'm going to get a distinction. What are you speaking over your situation? Are you negative Nelly or are you positive Peter? I mean, which one are you? Which one are you allowed? Really, negative Nilly, is she mentioned in Scripture and positive Peter, is he mentioned in Scripture? Allowing to be in your life, it's so important that you understand that. You know, it's interesting, last week I was in Brisbane, and it's funny because if I go to Sydney, I know the roads of Sydney really well. Like, I know where I am, I don't need a map. I kind of grew up there, so it helped, and it's a big city. I come to the Gold Coast, and it took me about three, three minutes to work it out where everything was on the Gold Coast, and most times it's pretty easy to get to places. But when I go to Brisbane... I feel so lost in Brisbane. Is anyone else with me? Like you go up there and you're like, well, oh, man, this place doesn't make any sense geographically where everything is. And what I find is this, I, I kind of was reflecting on the other day I was at South Bank having a meeting and, and all I do is this, I just want to get back on the M1 because if I go on the M1, I know how to get home. You know, once I'm on the M1. But most people sort of set it for the M1, but I've always just found wherever I am, if I just set it for home, just put it in, you know, like, you know, my house at Merrimack, I type in Merrimack, 
And I know that I'm not going to use the GPS the whole way. I just know I'm going to need it from South Bank to get through all the streets to get me the M1 and then I'll hit end because then I know how to get home. And I think dreams are a little bit like that. I think often it's so hard to get started and to even... So you, you think dreams are like... This. So is this what uh, uh, Joseph experienced in uh, Genesis 37? His, were his dreams like this? Believe it possible even to share a dream. But once you actually get going, you can press end on all the confusion, all the worry, and you can just start chasing. It's like there's a, a flow to a dream. And I think there's something about that when you understand how God does things. It's often that infantile stage or the gestation period of a dream that the enemy doesn't want because if he can take that dream, it's gone. But he knows that if it can flourish and it can be what God's called you to be, it's dangerous. Yeah, you're making that up. That doctrine's nowhere found in Scripture. Where in Scripture does it reveal that Satan desires to, you know, to knock you off of your dream and, and get it while it's in the gestation phase? Yeah, that you that's not taught anywhere in the Bible. Where did you find this information out exactly? Did it come to you in a dream? Some of you here, if you can only imagine the kind of business that God create, and you might just settle for a small business, but what if God wanted you to build a corporation that was international and could change the way the kingdom of God could be because through you, you believed it possible? What about for others of you? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you better believe it's possible for God to, you know, have you be the head of a CEO you know, or a corporation so that, you know, you can change the way the church is. Yeah. It's because, it, you know, God can't do that unless you believe it's possible. Uh-huh. You hear this morning, you might be like, man, I don't, I, I just, you know, I just got this, you know, I, just got, I got three kids at home and I just love them so much and I just got this little dreams with them. But what if you actually looked at it and said, I am creating a, an academy here at my home to raise world changes that could change the world, even though right now it doesn't look like there's much happening because world, I'm raising world changers. Yeah. Um, where in the scripture are we told to aspire to raise our children to be world changers? Yeah, I, I've never set that as a goal for my children. I don't even have that as a goal for myself. Yeah, weird. Maybe I'm just not a Christian, you know? All we do is the babies poo and they get their nappies changed and we watch Peppa Pig on TV together. No, but what if you actually viewed and said, I'm going to make a difference in these kids' lives that could change the world? There's something about realizing there's always the big dream, but it's hard to get started. It's hard because people want to say things about it. And I think it's interesting because we see Joseph as a great example of not knowing what to really do when God gave him something. In many ways, I'd say Joseph was foolish. He had these big dreams. He's seeing this big picture of dreams. He's 17 years old. And what does he do? The first person he finds, he just blurts it out. Oh, man, this is what's going to happen. You're going to all bow down to me. And they didn't- yeah, who in Scripture actually chastises Joseph for sharing his dream with his brothers and stuff like that, as- aside from his father? You know, but I mean, yeah, um, okay, so, in, and why is Joseph being preached as if his life is somehow a pattern? How many other people in Scripture had dreams like Joseph? Where in Scripture does it say that, you know, as Christians, these are supposed to be normative, and you're supposed to have a dream just like Joseph too. So pay attention and learn from his mistakes. He didn't want to receive that. He didn't. He was not able to discern that dream. And I think it's so important this morning that we understand a few principles from Joseph about when it comes to God's dreams for our lives. Because if they need to be protected and nurtured in this early stage so that they can be everything God's called them to be, when it comes to dreaming, have you thought that through? Have you just allowed? No, I clearly haven't thought any of this through because I didn't even realize I was supposed to because God's word doesn't instruct me to do so. To communicate to anyone willy nilly, you just sort of say it to that person or work colleague, and they're like, Why would you want to do that for? And all of a sudden, it shuts it down your heart, and you're like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but it's too late because it just crushed your heart. 
Joseph, we learn a lot from because Joseph, we see his whole life played out. There's not many, I guess, characters in the Bible that you see it kind of from a young age right through the older age. There's many sort of snapshots of people, but people like David and Joseph, we see kind of their whole life. And we see how the end story is because we know that dream came true, didn't it? We know that that's actually what happened when they came to Egypt and they were starving and they bowed down to him and he gave them all their food. So that dream was a real thing. But I tell you what, gee, he went through the hard, hard yards to get there. And maybe it could have been easier if he'd actually applied some principles. So how are you going with your dreams this morning? Do you have trouble getting... Yeah, again, why, are you keep, why do you keep talking about Joseph and then say, how are, you think, how are things going with your dreams? Genesis 37 doesn't teach me that I'm supposed to have a dream or that you're supposed to have a dream. You're just making that up. The text doesn't say that at all. Getting started. Like, you know, God's put something in your heart, but you're like, I don't even know where to start with it. So I think this morning I'd love to help you with that. Something that maybe I've had a little bit of experience in the last few years on. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Yeah, clearly he's reading a weird translation, maybe the message paraphrase of uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18, which, by the way, you're familiar with this. We've uh, quoted it many times here. Here's what it says. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint is what the ESV says. And so, oh, look, where there is no vision, people perish, right? That's how it's quoted. But there's a comma there. But blessed is he who keeps the Torah. That's the written word of God. Proverbs 29.18 does not teach that we are to uh, be receiving direct revelation from God and that we're going to perish if we don't receive a direct revelation from God. So, yeah, no, this is a, uh, <clears throat> this is a twisting of God's word. We continue. But when they attend to what he reveals, that would be the written word of God. Blessed is he who keeps the Torah. Good translation. They are most blessed. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. When they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I wonder if you're the kind of person that can see things that others can't. What? Question to ask. I love it. Even when you think about Walt Disney, he was a man who obviously was a creative guy who started things. And it was interesting, at his, at his the opening of... Um, Disney, whatever it is, or Walt Disneyland, or whatever it's called in Florida. I don't know what the one's in Florida is called. See, if it's about 12 answers, there's SeaWorld, all kinds of, what else was it? Disneyland, Disney World, Disney World, okay. Disney World in Florida, at the opening of Disney World in Florida, he was, uh, he was dead at that point. And it's interesting because uh, one of the guys turned to his wife and said, man, if only Walt was here to see this, and she said, the reason's here because he already saw it. Can you see things that others can't see? Uh, am I sinning if I don't? Will I go to hell if I don't? Has God started showing you things and you find it too hard to believe that it's possible? But what if in this room, God wanted to do something so unique through your life? What if, what if? You're not preaching God's word. You're filling these people's heads with nonsense and false doctrine. Have you allowed yourself to see that? Have I allowed myself to see the, yeah, right. Uh -huh. uh, apparently I have to allow it, yeah. Can you see what others can't see? I want you to get your phones out this morning, and we're going to go to a live survey. And I know, oh, here we go. Everyone loves the old live surveys. I know it's been a while, and <laughs> everyone's excited. Now, if you don't have, uh, uh, we haven't got time for everyone to download the app right now, but if you've got the Bible app on your phone, which is uh, well worth having because it's probably better than having like a, 
I don't know, like a pokey zap on there or something. So it's good to have something life-giving or Candy Crush. I must say I do like Candy Crush, I'll be honest. It's, yeah, and Temple Run has been a new favourite at our house. The kids try and beat me, but I like to always beat them. So Temple Rush is a good one. But if you've got the Bible app and you go to our live event, you can go onto the left-hand side. So the, the app's changed its look a little bit. So if you just go to live event, it's under more. And we're going to ask a series of questions this morning. And if you're in here and you're like, what is going on? Just, if you watch the screen in a moment, you're going to start to see some live stuff happen on the screen. And the next time you come to church, if you've already preloaded that app, you'll be able to play along as well, okay? Or you can come back tonight if you're like, man, I didn't get to participate. Come back to one of our night services with the same message and you can also participate. So I want to ask some questions. If you go on it, if you just type Glow Church in, it'll come up with today's date, July the 5th. Has everyone got it? Okay. Can I just give it another 30 seconds? How about New South Wales, eh? This Wednesday night. All right, let's go to the first question on the app. And you know what? I've had an absolute shocker and left all my notes. So I'm going to use, I'm going to have to, somebody, can I use someone's phone? There we go. Oh, beautiful. Here we go. Oh, okay. I'm jumping. Yeah. That was an accident. I just. So how are you going when it comes to your dreams? The first question is at the moment, how would you describe your life when it comes to dreams? Would you say, I've given up. There's been too much disappointment. Don't, don't click on it because you can't go back once you've clicked on it. Is it over the last few months, God, I know this is, so over the last few months, God has been reawakening dreams in my life? <laughs> not one or two. Uh, this is like, where's NA? Not applicable. The third one is, I want to dream again, but hurt and trust is holding me back. And the last one is, I'm dreaming like never before. If that's you. Click on one of those four buttons, okay? Once you, what, I want the one, none of the above. You voted, you voted. I'll just come back up on stage. So let's have a look. Let's go to the live screen. Let's see what this church is currently, or this, this service is going through. So at the moment, 4% of you have given up. Maybe after this message, you'll be able to rethink that one. Too much disappointment. 52%. Is this what God has called Christian pastors to do? Not at all. He hasn't rightly handled God's word, and he's not teaching what God's word teaches. Some of you said over the last few months, God has been reawakening. That's good. It means I'm doing a good job as a pastor. I'm happy about that. That's good. Third one, I want to dream again, but hurt and trust is holding back. That's fair. And the last one, time, last one is I'm dreaming like never before. Let's just refresh that a few more times. Let's just get a, an overview. And if you want to move to the next question, you can, so it will help us with this. So I think it's kind of sitting around the same thing at the moment. So 5% of you have given up. And we're praying for you guys, because hey? if there's not hope, it's hard. 51%, you know, it's cool. Like over half the room is God speaking to you. He's awakening dreams in your life. 15% of you, you want to dream again. So over half of them are totally deceived, is what how I'm understanding this survey. You know what? It's so cool is that in that answer, what you're saying is this, is that, hey, there is hope somewhere. Like there's hope and there is hope. And the last one is that 29% of you are dreaming like never before. So really, 80% of this room right now, God's doing stuff in your life when it comes to this whole area, which is really cool. The next question is, what's your dream? I want you just to write, because like I said, this is a completely anonymous server, right? So no one knows what's being written. I, they guys at the back don't know. I don't know. It doesn't come up with that. But it says, what's your God dream? I'd love just to, some of you share, but don't write an, an essay, just like five or six words. You know, I want to be an NRL player, or uh, I want to uh, I want to invent something, or I'm believing to go to Mozambique as a missionary. Whatever it is that's got that God dream, let's let's see some of the dreams of people in this room. I know something going to be funny, but let's just let's try and be serious for a second. Can we go to that for a second? Okay, here we go. I want to play in the NRL. 
That was my trial one. I just put up there last night. I, wanted, I, I did want to, but I didn't have the skill. To be the senior pastor of Glow Church. <laughs> I didn't put that on there. Whoever you are, bring it on. Um, join the creative team and one day MD for the band. That's cool. Overseas missions and marriage. Is it together? You want to marry missions? I don't know. Leading people in worship. Worship. That I could be married to Pastor Robbie? That's taken. Kathy, you already, the dream's already been lived out. To preach globally, to change the environment in my school so that people have an opportunity. What else? To pioneer a movement that will go beyond me. Apparently we're done with God's word, I guess. Well, that's cool. That's got to be Monty because I know he's 100 in the prayer. Is that you? It is, isn't it, Monty? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I know, but you always put it on Facebook, that little 100 thing. So, <laughs> To pastor my own church. Well, you stay in this church and long enough you're going to have that possibility. Write life-giving books and to help revolution. Well, that's so cool. Create an organization that helps build it. Have you got any more? I'm going to refresh it. And hello. Look, there's so many. There's so many. I'll pick some of them. Write curriculums of schools. Bring healing and wholeness. Get going up. Full-time missionary to lead people. Man, I love it. Look at those people. There's the dreams that are flying in this church. So the, um, see people fulfill the greatest potential in God. Partner with churches in Africa. To be a good man. That's a good thing. To lead millions of young people to just, man, that's exciting, whoever that is. To be a successful TV presenter, to do medicine at uni, to build a woman's shelter to help women's victims of rape in camp. I mean, see, this is some crazy dreams going here. I love it. I love it. This is the kind of church we want to be. We want to champion your dreams. We want you to see dreams. Here, to have God shine through our business and fun glow. Is the job of the church to help people, you know, help champion their dreams? Or to call people to repentant faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and disciple them in what God's word really says, teaches. Who cares? That's a cool reason for God to do something. So there's always got to be a reason to dream. Right? Worship music that goes global. Amen. I like it. Thank you, Vaughn. And also under that, you'll see that you can write a prayer request. If maybe this, along this area of dreaming, you want us to pray this week for, for you about your dreams in our staff meeting, just write a prayer request there. We'd love to pray for you this week. Okay, so that's cool. So let's keep going with the message. Who loves those, those live service things? Yeah, they're fun, hey? So it's cool. Let's learn some lessons from Joseph this morning. The first one is this. Be careful who you surround yourself with. So, I mean, you you, you got to be careful. You know, the reason why God gave Joseph a dream is so that you can learn from his mistakes when you get yours. Right. Uh-huh. Obviously, the brothers of Joseph were not too excited about his dreams. But yet he proceeded to not learn the first time when he shared it with them. But the second time, he goes back for a second round with them. And again, they're like, man, you don't get it. Why would we want to be our younger little brother? It's so important who we surround our life with. Who are the people that are going to encourage our dreams? Who are the people who are going to pull them down? Who are the people that are going to spur us on? And who are the people who are going to hold us back? The pe- and the weird thing is, is that his brothers, um, being the haters that they were, and give, dishing out the hater aid that they did to poor Joseph, who was just sharing his God-sized dream with them, is that they actually played an instrumental role in making sure that the dream would actually be fulfilled. Isn't that weird? You know, because it was all part of the plan for Joseph to be sold into slavery. Yep, something to think about there. People around you get excited when you share your dreams? Or have you got to the point where maybe you don't share your dreams because you can't? Maybe you're like that 5% this morning that says, I've given up. Can I encourage you? And I don't know if this is prophetic or not. Man, God is a God that gives dreams. Whether you're in your 80s 
whether you're 18, whether you're eight years old. Actually, probably when you're eight, you probably dream more than anything. You know, yeah, those crazy dreams as kids. Are you having more crazy dreams than when you were a kid? That's the kind of God we serve. He's constantly growing on what he wants to do in our life. What is your dream? Yeah, which passage of scripture says this about, you know, God and dreams and stuff? I don't know if it's a dream to live through someone else. What's God got for you in your 60s, in your 70s? What's he got for you? More heresy hunting? You know, sometimes your dreams threaten people. When we first started this church, uh, we had the launch service at Rabina. It was a great day. And, you know, walked out feeling excited. And I talked to my mum after the service. And my mum was sitting next to someone who didn't know that she was my mum. And she said to my mum, who is this young guy I think he is? Wrong person to tell, right? She says, who does this young guy think he is? Thinks he's going to have a church of 20,000 people. So? What's wrong with it? I never said that. But that person got intimidated by the bigness of what God's going to do here. And maybe that person's still in our church, and if you are, God bless you, and you'll see it happen one day. But there's something about it. If we, our dreams intimidate other people, they don't like it. Who do they think they are? Why could you believe that? Well, why not? I'll tell you why. Because there's 20,000 people represent 20,000 people that don't know Jesus right now as a dream worth having. If it means someone in this city would stand up and build a church so all our friends and family can find Jesus, hey, that's worth dreaming about. It's not worth letting somebody intimidate us, just hold us back, stop us doing what we're doing. And if, Yeah, if you're teaching false doctrine and you're not rightly handling God's word and you're not preaching the gospel, what exactly makes you a church? Imagine if I just in that first day heard that thing and just went, oh, I'm just going to shrink back and just, we'll just, we won't go for a building. We won't go for people's lives being changed. Let's just be satisfied with 20 people and just hope for the best. I mean, that's just not how I was born. We are born to do things for God. Sometimes our dreams intimidate people and sometimes people don't like it when their dream offends someone else because your dream is different. We've all got different levels of dreams that God gives us. Some are big. Yeah, and where in Scripture does it say this about levels and sizes of dreams and stuff like that? This kind of goes back to my question regarding Paul DeYoung. I mean, how big is a God-sized dream? I mean, you know, and, and am I sinning if I don't have one? Some are big and some are big. I serve a God who gives big dreams. I am convinced that sometimes there's the small things God feeds in us, but if you actually allow God to breathe on you and to start to speak into you, he's got big things for you because he's a God who loves us so much that he would allow us to have so much influence that it could find someone who doesn't know him and influence him. I'm, I'm a big, big believer in that. God uses influential people to draw all men to himself. Let's flip it on its head for a second. What do you like to be around when other people share their dreams with you? Do you limit people because maybe you don't carry the same faith? Do you limit people because of your own fears or insecurities? Do you limit people because of a bad experience and therefore it couldn't happen to that person so you just kind of rubbish it? Or are you the kind of person that when someone shares their dreams, you're like, man, that is awesome. Hey, I'm praying for you. I'm excited for that. Who are you and what are you like? That's why I think it's so important that we speak into positive things. Husbands, do you allow your wives to dream? Wives, do you allow your dream? How can I stop my wife? If, I mean, I got to tell my wife, Mrs. Rosebro, you know, I, I, I must put my foot down. I, I'm sick and tired of you dreaming. So when you go to sleep, no dreams. It's the rule of the house. Uh-huh. So do you, do you allow your husbands to share their dreams with you? 
Or have they been shut down over the years because of statements like, don't be silly? How are we going to pay for that? Hey, remember the last time how that worked out for us? What's your household like? Is it a house that dreams? Or has it become a house that's all built around the now, the present, but nothing more than what's here right now could ever happen? What's your household like? Hey, let's be a church that's got people in it that their homes are full of dream stimulators. How about your kids? You let them believe big things for their future or do you shut them down? Hey, one day I'm going to be an astronaut. You're like, no, they'd be silly. There's only, there's only NASA in America. There's a Russian space station. and It's probably Chinese by then and India will have it. But you're in Australia, so you can't have that dream. I mean, do we shut them down? Or do we go, man, that's like, man you could be an astronaut. What do we do? See, Joseph failed to recognize that the family around him were not friends to his future. Uh-huh. I don't think it was because of how they necessarily saw him. I think it's probably because of how they felt. Yeah, but the weird thing again is, is that they were the, even though they were completely opposed to his dreams and thought that he was being arrogant and stuff, um, by opposing him, they ensured that the, the prophecy in the dream itself was fulfilled. So the, their opposition to it is what's well helped facilitate it coming true. Their own securities. The second thing that we can learn from Joseph is this, that in dreams, so in the dream infancy stage, be careful who you share your dream with. I think it's just practical. Yeah, so if, you, if your dream's in the infancy stage, yeah, you, you want to keep that thing bundled up and, uh, and out of the eye of the hating public, apparently. That's what we learned from Joseph. Really? Practical wisdom here. Who are the people around you? I mean, it's very similar to the people who are in your life, but also who you speak those things to and when you speak those things to them. See, Joseph failed to discern the right time to share the dream. I think that's why it's so important we're in connect groups. I think it's so important that if we're in connect groups, we get the right people around us who we can start to share the dreams with. They can pray for us. They can start believing in us. Could- so the importance of small group studies is so that you can share your dreams with them while they're still in their infancy stage. Right, because this is what Christians have been doing since, well, no, Christians have not been doing this since the beginning. This is a completely new thing that's cropped up. In fact, it's not Christian or biblical at all could be a course that helps you actually overcome lots of things so you can dream again. I mean, they're so important. I mean, I just love being around people who dream. Not long ago, a couple came to me in our church, probably a year ago. No, I'm not going to use any names today. And they came to me and they, they were, you could tell they're very tender, very tentative. It was the husband who sat with me and said, I've got a dream to go to America and to, in my future and to let God use me. And I think they were waiting for me to go. I don't know what they're waiting for. I said, you know what? Man, that's so awesome. What can I do to help you with that? How can I help you achieve that dream? I had another couple come to me not long ago, a few months ago, after a word I gave them the service. It was my own fault, actually. I gave them a prophetic word, and they came to me after and said, Joel, after that word, we actually like, felt like God said we need to go back to South Africa. And so they're leaving at the end of the year to go back to South Africa. Even I gave them a word in the service about their future and it meant them leaving us. That's cool because that's what God wants. When you're in a church, it's like, we want the best for you. We don't want to hold you down. We don't want to pin you back. But if God's speaking, we want to be the kind of church that goes, man, go for your dreams. Like, do the right thing when it comes to your heart and make sure you do all the right steps. But hey. Yeah, notice he's ignored where God has spoken. That's the written word of God and just has no clue how to handle it correctly. 
Oh, but oh, if God's speaking, you know, via direct revelation, giving people dreams and visions and destinies, oh, we're, we're going to be there to support it. But we're not going to support the proper exegesis and right handling and correct teaching of God's word because he's twisting God's word. Go for your dreams. Like, let God use you because I know that if we can keep creating a space where people can rise up and can let God do things, you know what? Crazy things are going to happen. I love that. Do we have that response to people? What can I do to help you see that dream come? What can I do to see that start to be a reality? Hey, have you thought about that? See, vision is a very interesting thing within a church. See, as a church, I believe we've got a big vision. And I want to know is this, that when some... Yeah, no, actually, we have a great commission in its objective. It's in the written word of God. Individual congregations do not have individual visions. Again, another false teaching. Someone's got their heart in their right place and they've got the motives in the right place. Within a big vision, God will always make space for people. God will always see dreams come to me. Yeah, again, where is this taught in Scripture? Because you're teaching this as if it's a biblical doctrine and no biblical text says this. You're, it's just you saying it. Honestly, I'm telling you this right now. If, if you're a musician, you've got the dreams to do amazing things for God. Just stay true. Stay, stay humble to this platform. Allow God to use you. And you watch in the years to come what God's going to do with the guys that serve faithfully in this church every week, what God will do externally one day in this church. It's about being faithful in the now. It's about allowing yourself to dream, but at the same time, keep your heart submitted. It's about allowing people to have the place for God to do big things, but at the same time, stay under people. Here's a statement you can put this on social media. Dreamers understand other dreamers. So stay, stay close. Why would I want to infect other people via social media with this false teaching? Post them and find them. Dreamers find other dreamers. If the band want to come up, that'd be awesome. The last point that we can learn from Joseph this morning is... Yeah, the band needs to come up. Apparently, they got to get ready you know, to wind up with sappy music. This. The Holy Spirit is the GPS in getting you to your destination. This is, there he is. The Holy Spirit's joined us. Yeah, there you go. And I'm glad he said that. Uh, cue sappy music. This is a manipulative technique. It's an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy Spirit, is now descending on the audience in the auditorium. Getting people to, you know, to make decisions, to, you know, to be open to receiving direct dreams and visions and big size, God sized dreams from God and stuff like that. Uh huh. But how true is that? The Holy Spirit, I love it, is his role is to help guide us into all truth. It tells us this in John 16, verse 13. It says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. See, the Holy Spirit is always sort of there kind of encouraging us. If you allow... God to speak, if you allow the Holy Spirit to start to speak to you, he's starting to whisper things in your ear about the future. He's not talking about the past, he's talking about the future. He's not talking about what was, he's talking about what's to come. The Holy Spirit has this role, just like when I kind of told that story about moving, going to Brisbane and I didn't know how to get back to the M1. I think the Holy Spirit's a lot like that in discerning those first few steps in a dream. He's like, hey, take this step. Hey, now take this step. Hey, maybe don't listen to that, but take, listen to that advice. That's a good step. And allowing the Holy Spirit, who is all truth, to speak to us. He wants to be our God. He wants to help you work things out. He's yeah, and that's the funny thing. The Holy Spirit guides us through the written word of God because all scripture is God breathed. Theonoustos. And it's sufficient. Read 2 Timothy chapter 3. Yeah, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. That's the written word of God. Here to speak. 
this week at the conference at Hillsong, the theme of the conference was to speak, I'm listening. My, me and Alan had our own personal theme this week with our kids. It was, if we're speaking, we hope they're listening. It was, it was fun doing kids' song. But it was good. That was our own little mini. But he was speaking this week. Speak, I'm listening. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Or are you just trying to work things out yourself? Yeah, well, you're not listening to the written word of God and you're right, wrongly handling it. So you're clearly not listening to the Spirit. Because I think it's so easy, isn't it, to just step into that mindset of, I'm just going to work this out myself. I'm going to take those steps. But what if we actually stop and say, I'm listening. God, what do you want me to do? What if, what if, you know, I know what God wants me to do because I know how to read. That dream that's just been sitting there for 10 years, do you want me to do something about that? It just won't go away. It's still nagging at me. Maybe that thing that God spoke to you about last week and you're like, man, that can't be me. Not this little of me. God's saying, yeah, just you. Just you. I want you to stand on your feet this morning. Here's one truth that I've known is to be so true in our life. It's just one word from heaven can change everything. Just one word from heaven. Yeah, we have an entire book of words from heaven. Why aren't you focusing and rightly handling and teaching and preaching that? It can change that business deal that you have coming up. It can change, change the course of the, purchasing a house or not purchasing his house. So God's really all about, you know, business deals and stuff. like. What about the God who forgives sins? It can change the course of helping a person or not helping someone. It can change the course of what direction to take. That girl or guy to marry, that person to flat with, that job promotion to accept or deny that, that investment that could make or break you, that marriage that you've been wanting to give up on and God's saying, no, it's going to get better, that dream that looks impossible. See, just word, one word from the Holy Spirit can change. Yeah, God doesn't promise any of these promises. You're making God promise things he hasn't promised. This is blasphemy. Everything, And I want to encourage you this morning in this place that we serve a God who's who's here and he's present and he wants to speak. He wants to act and he, he has spoken. Read the Bible. He wants to start to reveal things to your heart. But just like Joseph, when we start to get that word from God, if we're not careful who we share that with or who we surround ourselves with, it may never happen. But hey, imagine having a... Well, his dream did happen. And ironically, because of the fact that they were upset with him and sold him into slavery, that actually was the means by which his dream was fulfilled. A group of people like this one here in this service right now said, hey, I'm going to be determined that what God places in my heart, what God starts to stir in my heart, that I'm going to find those right people to be around. I'm going to allow the right people to start to speak into my heart. I'm going to allow for God's presence to invade my spirit and him to start to say, hey, you can do this. The Holy Spirit's role is to guide us into all truth. Yeah, just because you're shouting it doesn't mean you're rightly teaching it. Hey, hey who have you been listening to lately? How are you? Yeah, I I'm pretty soon going to stop listening to you. Where are you going with your dreams? Yeah, that's the end of that. Thank God. Wow, what a mess. Total train wreck. Yeah, you kind of get the idea here that all these people who are filling people's minds about God-sized dreams and, you know, and you know, going and finding your... that They're not teaching what God's Word says at all. They have these people focused on the wrong Jesus and the wrong promises. They're not actually rightly teaching God's word, proclaiming Christ and him crucified for our sins, and calling people to repent and to be forgiven through the shed blood of Christ. Very, very 
dangerous indeed. So what did you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash prior Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pirate Christian. Until tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ. It's vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>